Welcome back. We got Pastor Ben again today. This time he's talking about ministry. This is Pastor Ben Reichel, who is one of the Word of God teachers at Kettle Moran Lutheran High School. He's going to talk about his experience down in Texas as a missionary. He's going to talk about um, the kind of the transition into teaching and what he's teaching his students up at KML. And uh, he's going to give some good reminders about our faith lives and making sure that we stay in the Word and stay spiritually fit uh, just like we stay physically fit. So here we go with Pastor Ben Reichel. Hello and welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers, brothers in Christ, working hard to become the men that God has called us to be. I am your host, Charlie Jungemach. I'm a teacher, a coach, music director, and a man of God, myself working toward the goal of, like David, being a man after God's own heart. We're happy you could join us. Now it's time to roll up our sleeves, to gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. All right, we're back with Muscles. That's Pastor right. Ben Reichel, uh, who's a teacher. What do you teach it? A uh, little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Uh, Latin one, Latin two. I got three sections of senior word of God, and then I've got one section of intro to Christianity for eight Chinese students. Okay. So I got all four every day. Cool. Do you have any? How many choice kids do you guys have? That I'm not quite sure. We're almost to a hundred, I think. Okay. Do, so we're do you we're get getting any there. of those kids. Do you get a lot of those kids in the intro to Christianity, or uh, surprisingly not? Uh, okay. Most of the kids that we have coming in um, have some sort of background in Christianity enough to actually get them placed right away into freshman Word of God, and then from there they'll they'll work on it. Um, but yeah, this year it's all all Chinese students, so we're trying to grow that program. Um, so we started out with only five, and then three came in at semester, so that class and that program is growing which is nice um i i was under the assumption that we'd have a few more choice kids coming in that would right. take it along with them um but this year it was just just the chinese kids yeah. it would be a little be a little interesting to be like the one kid from the inner city yeah that's in a room full of chinese kids right that'd be kind of funny yeah yes but so you're a pastor serving as a teacher yeah. at kettle Moraine lutheran yeah um so let's just Walk through your ministry to this point. Yeah, so graduated from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary in 2014, and from there got assigned to start a new mission church down in Fulshire, Texas, which is just outside of Houston. Um, that was interesting because I, I graduated in May, got the assignment in May, then got married in June, and moved <laughs> down to Texas in July. So... You know, three of the things that they'd say not to do, like they say, do one major life event a year. We did three of them in like the span of just just rip the bandaid off, just get it done. (laughs) Um, So went down there and it was kind of a surprise because we were told that we had five families that were going to be starting the church with us. We had two people in in addition to my wife and I who were just newly married you know, starting trying that, to figure stuff out. trying to figure stuff out there, trying to figure out how to start a church. Um, so we were starting from nothing. 
Um, but over two and a half years, you know, God bless the work we did down there. We were averaging about 25 to 30 on a Sunday. Um, and then we got to the point where, uh, a couple families were, were thinking about moving away and, um, looking back on it now, you know, you can see God's timing in all of it because yeah. I got the call to kettle. Um, and the, the biggest decision for me then was to figure out, okay, do I stay and, and hold this out for a year or do I, I move on right away? Um, I, you know, took the call and, and, uh, now I'm here, which is, is where God wants me to be. Um, but the, the, the coolest part about being in that situation for two and a half years would just meeting the people meeting the people in a brand new area, you know, starting from scratch, starting a marriage from scratch, starting (laughs) life from scratch. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun and now it's completely different. So we, we did the whole (laughs) thing again last summer. Um, our, our son was born in May, moved up here at the end of May, uh, bought a house in September. So brand new ministry, brand new house, brand new kid, you know, three years later (laughs) doing the same thing. Right. So, uh, is that, does that happen a lot with, um, startup churches like that? There, you just kind of like see how it goes and then either. Yeah. I think it happens more than, than is well known. I, I would say, um, because starting, starting a church is tough. <laughs> it's really tough. I believe it. Um, and there are just so many things that, you know, have to work out just right and that God yeah. has to kind of see through and. Um, I think more often than not, we don't, we don't see the, this side of mission work. Um, especially yeah, we I think hear the success stories, we hear the success stories and yeah. we think that's how all mission churches are. Um, and it's just not the case. It's, it's kind of more the opposite. Um, but it's, it's just, yeah, one of those things you, you look at the demographics, you look at the, the area, the growth and all these things, and maybe on paper it looks good, but once mm-hmm. you get in there, it's, it's a whole different ball game. Um, one thing I realized really quick down in Fulshire was that almost nobody was home, which oh, makes which makes canvassing right. very difficult. Yeah. Because this was this was literally a bedroom community. Um, people would drive an hour up to two hours one way to get to work in Houston, um, and they would leave by you know five o'clock in the morning, get right. back by maybe seven yeah. or eight at night, and eat dinner maybe see their kids for like half an hour and then go to bed because they got to get up at three or four o'clock to do the oh, same thing. So sounds miserable. It was, I don't know how they do it, but I think that explains the really nice cars. Cause if you're <laughs> spending that much time in your car, you better get like an, a BMW or a Tesla or and it better something have air conditioning. and it better have really good air conditioning. Um, so that was, that was one of the big challenges that I found early on. And then you just kind of got to get creative, you know? Yeah and do what you can. And, uh, being in Texas, not really many people know what a Lutheran is. Okay. So first of all, when you're saying like you're starting a new Lutheran church, their first question is what's a Lutheran. <laughs> so then you got to yeah. get into that whole thing. <laughs> and then like, cause it's very, uh, Baptist, very Methodist, you know, Catholic. Right. So right. those are, those are common. Um, but Lutheran's not, quite. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was another little hurdle that we had to get over. Um but also being in Texas, it's already very churched. Like there are a lot of churches. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like there are people who don't go to church or don't know what church is. Um so it, it's a completely different culture where 
on Sunday mornings, people know you need to go to church. Like you should be at church, no matter where it is, you got to go to church. Um, and so what we, what I, what I think we didn't realize early on was just the number of people who already had churches. We saw the growth of the city, like, right, like I said, like four hundred to four hundred fifty percent a year. So this was a town that when, <laughs> when my wife and I Googled where is Fulcher, Texas, because we had no idea after call day, <laughs> um, we That's found it's a great way to start. <laughs> right. Where are we going? Where are to we move? going? First of all, uh, we found that it was only about eleven hundred people. And so we're thinking it's some rural town full of cows and cowboys. How in the world are we going to start a church? Uh, and uh-huh. then we, we checked it out a little further, saw it was right next to Houston. And by the time we got down there, we saw there were 8,000 people in Texas, but they all just lived in Fulcher. They would all commute in. So okay. there, there, was, there was hardly any um, infrastructure as far as like restaurants and shops in Fulcher when we first got down there. Right. Um, and in the two and a half years we were down there, three churches were built out of nothing. <laughs> and then by the end, they were they all had over a thousand on a weekend. Well, and, and like kind of leaning into what you said earlier about like everybody's already churched. Yeah. You almost just got to put like the name on the front door and you, you got people coming in. And when you've got a Lutheran church then, which isn't common down there at all. And yeah, that's, that's tough to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's that's why... Um, it was so fun for me to just meet people, you know, just go out, go to the coffee shop, go to the CrossFit gym. You know, that was a great outreach tool. Uh, we did a lot of stuff like that. Just, you know, striking up conversations in the grocery store line, that kind of stuff. Um, you just get to meet so many cool people. And if you have the chance to, to share Jesus with them, that's what matters Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, jumping right on board with, Hey, you want to join my church? Uh, just just find those opportunities uh, to get to know someone really, really well, establish a good relationship, good mm-hmm. friendship, and then whenever they have a problem and they know you're a pastor, that's uh, that was yeah. that was kind of like my my mission philosophy um, was to try and create as many of those solid relationships as possible. Yeah, because then people feel comfortable talking to you about right. everything. You yeah. know, they'll come to you with whatever's on their mind, whatever family problems they're having. Um, and like I still have people who call me, text me regularly <laughs> that never became members of my church. Right. Still asking, like, hey, can you pray for me about this? Or what would you do here? I've got this going on. Um, so th- those are the the cool parts about ministry cool. and especially mission work. So are all those people that are coming in, are they like Texans that are just moving to that area? Or is it people from all over? It, it's a little bit of both. I, I was surprised at how many people were just like moving out of Houston or even moving out of Katy, which was right next door. Um, you know, Houston itself has, I don't know, four or five million people. Yeah. And then it's got a bunch of suburbs around it that are pretty huge. Um, Katy itself was getting up to over 300,000 people as a suburb. And so that was getting too big for people. So they're moving out to the country. Um, so people just kept on moving out and out and out. Yeah. Um, but Houston was growing so much with all the industry and oil and gas and everything that's going on that people were coming in from out of state. So you got quite the mix of yeah. native Texans and then transplants and people coming in for work. Um, the tough part is some of the ones who came in for work were only going to be there for a year or two. Oh. Like they knew they were going to be gone. They had home churches somewhere else or they didn't want to get tied down because um, they knew they'd be moving mm-hmm. in another year or two anyway. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of them, I was surprised at how many people told me, oh, we just wanted to get out of the city. 
Um, so whether it was Houston or Katie, right. um, yeah. cause people like their space. So they, they, they found their space in, t- in uh, Fulcher. So is it just like kind of what you see around here sometimes where it's just like subdivision on top of subdivision on top of subdivision yeah. or is it like, so it's all new construction it's, pretty much. It's all new construction there. I have never seen so so many new homes being <laughs> built like on the same block in the same city in my life. There were there were signs that would line the street from all these different builders and all the oh, different geez. subdivisions and planned communities. That's yeah. all Fulcher was. It was eight major uh planned communities. You know, each had their own shopping center, had their <laughs> own uh almost their own culture. It was really right. weird. But huh. um Fulcher was so new and so young that it didn't really have its own identity yet. Yeah. You were, in a sense, judged based on which one of these communities you lived in. Like there, were, there was um, one that was called Cross Creek Ranch. That was the biggest one. It was going to have like seven to 8,000 homes by the time it was done. Wow. So it's its own little city. Um, but that's where like all the younger families would would go so like looking at the demographics they were between 30 to 40 years old two or three kids all yeah. like grade school aged then there was another subdivision um that was maybe a couple miles away it was all gated like it, there was a gate wow. to get into the community yeah. and then each individual home was gated <laughs> so <laughs> it was like it was gated homes within a gated community like these people wanted their privacy um just leave us alone just leave us alone nobody come in um and and so great like, for ministry yeah, oh it was yeah fantastic um <laughs> So like you got these little pockets, you know, and eventually I know they're all going to converge on each other and yeah. you'll have Fulcher, Texas. But at the time it was so funny because you could almost tell just by <laughs> looking at a person or like hearing them talk, which one they belong oh, to. Man. Um, so that, that was another one of those unseen difficulties right. of, of, of getting into that, into that uh, ministry setting is you, you have this identity crisis. Like as a city, as a town, um, but it was, it, it was fun at the same time because like I w- I would go around and I would do my visits and stuff, and I would just drive past these homes. I would go, "What in the world do you do?" And can I be your friend? <laughs> because it, like it's fantastic, um, but uh, you know that that's that's one of the things that I noticed um, is that they put their like these people put their identity so much on this stuff or Mm -hmm. where they lived or what Mm -hmm. they drove. Um, I think part of that gets, uh, comes with age, like just getting used to how the world works and how people think and really understanding the sinful nature a lot better. But when you see it day in and day out, you're like, man, yeah, you get, we got it. We got to do some reprioritizing here. Like we got to, we got to get things back where they need to be. And, um, yeah, it was it was a uh, an interesting interesting time, interesting place. So, how do you attack that then? Like, what, where do you start? Um, I mean, you said kind of like you, you you have to build relationships with people, right? But like, how do you start addressing some of those issues then? You just biggest thing is listen, listen. Um, and that was something that I had kind of a hard time doing. So like when you're right out of the sem, you you're on fire. Like yeah. you are ready to go. You're ready to start this church. You're ready to preach. You're ready to do all these things. Um, and I think I, I don't think I did a terrible job. 
But I think <laughs> as as right, as yeah. things went on, it's like maybe I could have slowed down just a little bit. Um, because the more you listen and you more the more you get people talking about themselves, the more you're gonna pick up on these these little things. Um like they know their life isn't as perfect as it looks. Uh, um so they yeah. they they present this um face almost that they they you know with social media and the cars and the houses and the toys and all these things Mm -hmm. they they want to give the impression that their life is all put together um and they do a really good job they do a really (laughs) good job of doing it until you start asking the right questions and you start listening and you start to pick up on okay so you're you know if, if i'm talking to like a mom and she's just fed up with her teenage son who just doesn't listen you know, like those little things, like mm-hmm. it, it could just start out as complaining and, oh, you know, he's just a teenager and all these things. But those are the opportunities that give you the chance to kind of dig a little deeper, dig a little deeper. Mm-hmm. And the more you build that relationship and, and you come back to these topics, then all of a sudden you get to the root of the problem, right? which is, you know, selfishness or um, the fact that they're so enveloped in their things or their technology and then they're missing something in their lives you know or their marriage is falling apart and nobody knows Mm. you know those are the real things but Mm. what that does is that takes time yeah and so you got to listen rather than you know jumping in right away with you know 17 bible passages (laughs) on why you should be going to church on sunday why it should be my church um it's just to to listen and you got to create opportunities for those meaningful conversations. Um, the The nice thing about Fulcher was that there was a, a small little coffee shop that just opened, I think, maybe a year after we got down there. Um, and so I would go in there like once or twice a week. I, w- I would start working on my sermon or my, you know, mission plan, ministry plan, whatever it was, just an yeah. excuse to be there. Right. Um, and then just, just listen. Just like meet someone new, introduce myself to someone, um, and hopefully, you know, that'll work itself into a, a yeah. relationship later on. Um, just being visible too. Um, like I said, with everybody driving so much, you have very <laughs> few opportunities to, oh, to yeah. meet people for a lengthy yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So like they had they did a really good job of doing city festivals. Okay. Um it's like Fourth of July, Christmas, um, I can't remember. St. Patrick's Day was another one. You know, they would have them every couple months. And so we would always have a booth um, for the church and just hand out free goodie bags. You know, it would have church information in it. It would have candy. It would have, you know, fun things. Um, And then we would also strike up those conversations. We'd have, um, like, giveaways, prize giveaways, raffles. Um, And so that would give me a good excuse to, like, follow up on them and and try and have these conversations. but yeah, establishing those relationships is is key, and just listening, um, and it it takes takes practice. It takes a yeah, lot of sure. practice to like listen to those cues of of yeah. what these what this individual person who's talking to me right now is struggling with. Yeah. Because um, when when you go through SEM and and even MLC, um, you just kind of get the broad overview, like the generic, right. yeah, like yeah. this is <laughs> this is the law gospel presentation. Yep. Um, but when when you get um, the opportunity to do that with an individual, mm-hmm. so cool. Like there was there was one lady, um, she went she went to the Baptist church in town. Um, so she never became a member. But I 
probably visited her maybe once a month. Um, because the first time I talked to her, um, she, so her, this, this was in Fulcher and it was in, um, one of the, the gated communities and it was a giant house. (laughs) Um, but we stopped by because she had just moved in and her, like, I think it was the carpet people or rug people or somebody had just left and we caught her, we caught her at just the right time. Um, and she ended up like breaking down and crying oh. right there in the doorway because the reason that she bought the house was because that was going to be her and her husband's retirement home. But he had died like three months earlier from Jeez. cancer. So all of a sudden you're like, what in the world? I was not <laughs> expecting this. Right. You know, but this is like those type of opportunities that God places into your lap. Like, okay, right. now you get to listen to this, you know, yeah. 60 year old lady who just lost her husband of like 30 years. And this was going to be their retirement home in their living room where, you know, they should be enjoying. And man, just being able to listen and to talk and to share the love of God with her. And the fact that, yeah, her husband is probably in heaven because he, you know, went to church and he believed in Jesus. Um, and that she's going to see him again one day and all these other things. And, like you, you you get 17 doors slammed in your face or like nobody's home. And all of a sudden you get this one chance. Mm -hmm. Like that was the one conversation I had that day and it lasted for probably two hours. Yeah. And you just, God puts them in your lap. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, it always seems to happen. Like right when you're like, you start getting down. Yep. It's just like, ah, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) Lord goes, oh, you know what? One, yeah, just knock on one, one more door. <laughs> one more. I'll, yeah. I'll, it'll make it worth yeah. it. Batting average isn't so good. On yeah. No, no. Ever. Nope. It never is. Nope. It never is. Yeah. I, uh, um, there was a group of us went down to College Station when I was in college oh, okay. and did that one. And uh, it was very similar. Like everybody, we're trying to get them to go to Easter services. Yep. And everybody, everybody already has somewhere they're going right. for Easter. Yep. And I can't tell you how many times I heard some little old lady working in her garden go, oh, that's sweet, hon. <laughs> Just like, yeah. essentially she's saying, go yep. away. Go away. Yep. I'm trying to get ready for Easter. Right. Go away. Yeah. I, got, I got company coming. Yep. It's just like, oh, well, bless you. Have thank, a, thank you. Have a, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for not being mean. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, I... I don't want to. I don't know if anybody from Texas is listening, <laughs> but uh, I think people from Texas are really, really good at like politely being rude. Oh yes, yep, <laughs> they've mastered like, it. They it's have just passive it. aggressive. Like, yep. <laughs> it's like I, th- I think, I think she was just. Were you just mean to me? Yeah. <laughs> it's like well, they, what? Wait. The, the, <laughs> the best one is bless your heart. That's 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 the classic. That's the classic Texas response to, you're kind of dumb, but I don't want to say it. Yeah, like, that elevator's tried, not going to the top real floor, hard. but... Tried, I... Oh, bless your heart. They're like, bless his heart. He tried so hard. <laughs> yep, they're really good at that subtle, just kind of <laughs> driving the knife in. I would almost rather have the door slammed in my face yep. and be like, that was a clear loss. Yes. Than to be like Done. standing there like, wait, wait a so... Hold on. <laughs> you said you said bless your heart, but I don't think you mean. It. I don't think you mean it. Oh man. Yeah. All right. So, what does that transition look like then from parish ministry and and missionary work to a classroom? What is that? How's that going? Oh man, it's still going. That's the thing. Um, I I I could not imagine the difference 
Like everybody warned me. Like I'm I'm glad I came up here end of May. So I had, you know, June, oh, July yeah. to kind of like settle in, find a house, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than jumping straight into teaching. But just that first day, I was I was nervous. I don't <laughs> I don't get nervous very often, but I got super nervous in like the whole first you know, like three months. Cause not only was I teaching, but I was, I was coaching football. Yeah. Um, they, they have me in charge of coordinating all the chapel speakers. Okay. So like, I've got to coordinate all that mm. and do all those things. I'm, I'm helping out with ministry recruitment. So trying to get seniors yeah. to go to MLC, all that kind of stuff. All of a sudden the responsibilities have completely <laughs> shifted. Like, um, I think the only thing that's the same is that I get to preach every once in a while. Yeah. And that's not every weekend. I've got like KML Sundays. I've preached a couple times for um, chapel, but that's yeah. it. Besides that, everything is completely different. <laughs> like standing up in front of a group of, you know, 20 or so it's high school. It's terrifying. It is. It re- it's especially a lot when worse they're, than standing in front of adults. Yeah, especially when they're seniors and like <laughs> they're done with school, like the second week. Um, so... One of the biggest things, and I knew this was going to be a challenge, um, like the administration is fantastic, and they knew kind of what I'd struggle with being a pastor coming right, in, yeah. is just the schedule. Like 40, I don't even know, 43 minutes, I think is how long our class periods are, but yeah. bells. Like your <laughs> life is run by bells now. Yep. Like when you start, when you stop, you know, time mm-hmm. in between, all these things. Being a mission pastor, you don't have bells. <laughs> like... You, the only bell you have is your alarm clock, and you can kind of decide when that goes off. Yeah. Um, so like I had I had so much freedom to like work on my sermons and go meet people and spend time at coffee shops yeah. and do follow up visits and calls and all these things. Um, whereas now it's it's very very structured, which is good, <laughs> right? Um, but it's so much different, and yeah. that's the thing. It. it took me the entire first semester just to get used to what my schedule was. And then yeah. they switched it on me second semester. So <laughs> get used to yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like the, the one thing that they don't teach us, at least for the past track guys is lesson planning and block planning, oh, that really? kind of stuff. No idea. <laughs> so I'm, I'm taking over for a guy who was there for like 34 years. I think he, he barely those had old guys. Don't do any planning. No, they don't have they to don't. because they just show up yep. and they know what they've taught the last yeah. 33 years. So they, I mean, like he gave me like the outlines and stuff and notes and everything, but I, I have no idea what it means. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm lucky if I can show up and be ready for that day yeah. on what I'm teaching or if I know what class I'm teaching next. Um, sometimes it, first, this was more first semester. I think I got the handle on it now, but first semester, I would just wait to see which students walked in. And then I would know which cl- like which subject I'm teaching. <laughs> like I'd have to switch back and forth between you know senior religion and Latin one, and then I'd have the intro kids, and then I'd have seniors again, and then I'd have you know, oh, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, but now th- this semester, I think I'm settling in now that we're you know two months away from graduation. Um, but it's it's been <laughs> a it's been a crazy transition going from not just parish ministry like you said, but mission work. To, yeah. to high school teaching. Um, and I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm one of those guys that is never going to be comfortable or satisfied. So I'm already kind of planning ahead right, to next yeah. year what I'm going to do different and, you know, the things I'm going to yeah. do differently. 
um, I kind of feel bad for my kids because I know like there were some <laughs> days when I was not prepared. Oh, uh, and they know that too. And they know they it. Know. And, and they, seniors they catch know. on real quick. Um, uh, but I'm also thankful that I'm teaching Word of God. And so yeah. that as long as I'm teaching something <laughs> about the Bible, the Holy yep. Spirit's working. And uh, <laughs> so it kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off. Yep. But yeah, I mean, the, the transition is, is still going on, still getting into it. Um, they, they told me three years. Give it three years, and then you'll feel comfortable. So I got two more to go. And you have three years, and you're going to get a call back into a church right. somewhere. And that's, yeah. that's exactly how it's going to go. Do the same yeah. thing over again. Just wait till summer. That first yeah. like week of summer, you're not going to know what to do with yourself. Yeah. And it's, it's the best feeling in the world, but also just like you look around, and all of a sudden all the structure just drops out of your life, and you yep. go, okay, so now what? <laughs> wait, now what do I do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you'll at least have like workouts and stuff going on. Yeah, but, like when you're an elementary school teacher, it's like that first day, sure. and you just you, like you get up in the morning, and you watch some Netflix, and you look around, and you go, "I'm pretty sure there's something I'm supposed to accomplish today." <laughs> yeah, and I don't know what it is, and I don't remember. I just what don't it know is. what it is. Yeah, yeah, yep. And then it's just like dates out in the future. I always struggle with that. Like, so there's some arbitrary date. Like, yep. on July 8th, you need to yep. have yada 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 done, and you're sitting there on June 1st going. I got time. I July. got time. I got plenty <laughs> and all of a sudden, of time. It's, it's like three days ahead of time. And you think, okay, where's the list of things I got? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't. Oh. Where's that memo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What exactly do I have to have done now? So I know you told us about this at Christmas, but um, what, but, what was it? Yeah. Can I get like a couple more days? <laughs> just like just an, just another two days. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, and uh, man, and then you also like you don't see the fruits. Until like you have to learn to see the fruits of your labor. Yeah. Like it's not obvious. Right. Like you have to, you have to kind of like figure out what you should look for to know that you're being successful. And I I bet it's even worse with seniors because they, they, they won't, they won't even let you know that they care. No. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to do everything possible. It's especially now, especially now. Um, I was not ready for end of February, beginning of March. I, I remember that was bad as a student, mm-hmm. but I was not ready for that with three sections of seniors every day, just the zoning <laughs> out that happens in class. No. I'm, I'm, I'm like cruising, like I'm having fun. Like I planned out Revelation just for that oh, part yeah. of the year. So I'm thinking, okay, we're talking about Revelation. This is yeah. gonna be awesome. Yep. Nothing, like deadpan. <laughs> there was about a week straight Blazed where, eyes. yeah. Where I I it was like pulling teeth just to get some participation, and then I remembered, oh yeah, I was the exact same way as yep. a senior, cashed yep. out, cashing it in. Um, and you don't want to be that teacher that like resorts to bringing in donuts and stuff, yeah, you know? Yeah, but, but at you're the like, same eh, time, it might yeah. work. It <laughs> might work. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you teach in senior word of God? Obviously, so, so you teach. Uh, Revelation. Yeah, we're, we're finishing else, up Revelation now. Uh, we start with the last half of Acts. So we really take a look at Paul's ministry yeah. um, to set up the most of his epistles. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's mostly New Testament stuff. We focus on his prison epistles, mm-hmm. um, Philippians, Ephesians, and then his uh, pastoral epistles, First yeah. Timothy, Titus, those, good those ones. Yeah. Uh, then we got the general epistles, Hebrews, First Second Peter, James, um, first, second, third, John, all the way through to Revelation. Yeah. Um, 
And then we do like the more uh, doctrinal stuff. So what I did first semester is I had them do a paper and presentation on one of the main doctrines of Christianity. (laughs) So they got to really like dig into it and dive into it. And then they had to know it well enough to present it to their classmates. Um, And I kind of threw a little twist in there too, because that was going to be their semester exam. It was like a doctrine review test, but all the questions and everything was going to be taken from those presentations. We did like a mini review unit right at the end of the semester to cover anything and answer any questions. But so they, I I told them. So they're teaching each other. Yeah, exactly. Like you've got to know this stuff well enough to teach your classmates and answer any questions on it because this is what your test is going to be. And I'm doing that again this semester, but with, uh, cults and world religions. Yeah. So like we're shifting the focus about, you know, we, we did the doctrines in connection with um, Paul's epistle. So that kind of worked out well. And now when we're into Revelation, we're going to have a unit on um, gospel outreach, uh, like life planning, you know, what are you going to do to take care oh. of yourself type of stuff. Right. And then part of that whole um, series is we've got these presentations and papers throughout the semester on different cults and world religions. Yeah. Cause once they graduate, you're not in the Lutheran high school anymore. <laughs> you're going to run into Muslims. You're going to yes, run into are. Buddhists. You're going to run into people who don't, who, who say they don't believe anything. Right. Or, you know, people who focus too much on material things and possessions. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how do you share Jesus with these people? Um, so that's kind of the focus of this semester. And again, they've yeah. got to be able to understand these religions and cults and different belief systems well enough to teach their classmates, Yeah, which will hopefully, like you said, fruits. We're not <laughs> sure if it's going to happen. But once they come across these people in college, how do you answer them? How do you have right. a legitimate, good, beneficial conversation rather than, well, I memorized this one passage in seventh grade. <laughs> That should teach you. Yeah. Um, well, my pastor says. My pa- Wells says. Um, that's always my favorite one. I'm going to have to switch that up next year, too. I had a couple doctrine papers that quoted Wells.net. I'm like, um, I'll let it slide this time. Um, but, yeah, so this you know, first semester was like, okay, this is, this is what you've learned for the majority of them, like 95% of the kids right. that, that they've learned since grade school. Yeah. Um, and now it's okay. How do you take that knowledge and apply it to these conversations that yeah, you're going to you have? Go from here? Right. Um, so that's the focus uh, for this semester is getting them ready to to share their faith, be bold about it, be confident in it, um, and do so in a, a loving, respectful manner. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm really excited for the the units that we've got coming up. But I know, like you said, seniors, it's <laughs> April already. We already had our first meeting yep. about graduation. It'll be interesting. Yeah. All right. Last question on this front, then. You talked about getting the seniors ready uh, to leave their beloved Lutheran circles here. How do you stay spiritually fed, then, as a a teacher and as a pastor doing full-time ministry? Oh, man. Um, I've found that i got to get up really early. I've got to get up really early to do it. Um, One thing that they teach us at MLC and at the SEM is when you – do your preparations, sermon prep, Bible study, class prep, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, that's not good enough, right? Because that's that's you doing this to share with other people to to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing they drill into us, and they do a fantastic job of it, is we have to set aside time every day 
to be in the word just for you. Mm-hmm. It can't be, okay, well, I got to teach on, you know, first Peter. So I might as well just read chapter one because I got to teach on <laughs> right. that next week. So yeah. it'll, no, it's got to be you yep. and your Lord in the word every day. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be long. Um, I think that's one temptation for maybe pastors and teachers is to kind of go a little overboard with it. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, well, I don't have a, like a half hour or an hour that I can dedicate to, you know, really digging into it. It doesn't have to be that long. Yeah. Um, it can just be 10 minutes. You know, it could yeah. be five. It could be one of those year time of grace videos. Mm-hmm. I've done those so many times, like mm-hmm. while I'm eating breakfast. Yeah. You the know, Wells podcast. The app, Wells podcast. I'm the car on the way to school. Yep. 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 Um, anything like that. Um, and what I've, what I've noticed is I've, I've done a whole lot of different things, um, throughout my ministry of, you know, doing there's one book called, the uh, treasury of daily prayer. Mm. And so that's, that's got the readings. It's got the confessions in it. It's got some liturgies. Like Mm. it's almost like a mini worship service that you could do. That's really involved. If you got the time, um, to dedicate to that and really enjoy that. Fantastic. Um, but what I've noticed, you know, even besides the podcasts and the videos, um, I still have my confirmation Bible. Oh yeah. And me too. that's, so that's the one I've had with me throughout high school, MLC, SEM. I've taken so many notes in there, highlighting, underlining mm-hmm. notes in the margins, all those things. That's my favorite Bible. And if I can spend 10 minutes just reading through, it doesn't have to be a full chapter. You know, whatever I can get done in those five, 10 minutes, just reading through. Um, it's something weird about actually having a paper copy of the Bible. Yes. Just right there in front of you. Nothing yes. else. Just you and the word that makes a ton of difference. Mm-hmm. If if I can spend those 10 minutes every morning, my day is so much better. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm one of those guys that thrives on results and performance um it's it's a it's a huge strength but it's also a huge weakness at the Mm -hmm. same time um because when it comes to this type of ministry and you don't always see the fruits of the labor the the temptation for for a guy like me or any other pastor maybe even teacher is if you don't get that immediate feedback of are they getting it are they learning it are they excited about it um you know, you can go in a downward spiral real quick, but if if you focus on God and His promises to you and what mm-hmm. He says about you, and you that's where you find your validation mm-hmm. and motivation and identity in what He has promised, and you go back, and that that's the key thing about the that being my confirmation Bible. It's been with me through all of these yeah. ups and downs and twists yeah. and turns of life. But that's the one thing that never changes. Um, you know, I said at the beginning, you know, that first summer, you know, getting married, moving, starting a church, starting basically a new job, you know, switching from being a student to now being a pastor, all those things were changing. That word never changed. Like, yeah. uh, not even a single word. Right. And so when all these other changes happen in life or when you're having a bad day or when you're having a good day, mm-hmm. these things that word is the only thing that does not change because your God does not change. And if you can spend those five, 10 minutes every yeah. single morning in the one thing that never changes, that's going to set the course for your day, your week, your month, your mm-hmm. year. Um, 
and that's another thing that I've tried to get my seniors used to. Mm-hmm. Every every Monday, I've I've got uh, personal Bible reading time, um, which is funny because they connected it then to PBR, so it's <laughs> PBR with PBR. Nice. Um, but that's that's what we do at the first ten minutes of class. Okay, it's just you and the Bible. M- most of them do like Bible Gateway, and then they keep their own notes on that. That's yeah. fine. Some of them still bring out the Bible, but you know that's that's the routine I want them to get into, mm-hmm. and that's that's where the dedication thing comes into. Is if yeah. if you're focused on doing that, um, because when when they go off to college and they got their own schedules and they got to be on class at, at class on time, yeah. you know, um, or job or whatever it is, but they're able to spend that ten minutes. That's going to make such a huge difference. Keep them mm-hmm. right on track. You know, yeah. not getting pulled this way and that way by friends or. Um, professors or anything else just stay focused on that one thing Mm -hmm. um i don't do perfectly (laughs) right there are mornings when i'm you know if i gotta go shovel or or if you know i wake up late um and i forget about it i can tell right away i can Mm -hmm. tell right away but it's got to be that personal time it it, it, if you want to do devotions and have like a more um formal or structured kind of focused mm-hmm. study of, of God's word. That's great. Yeah. Um, but nothing can replace just you and the word. Yeah. Uh, makes such a difference. For sure. Yeah. And I do the same thing. Get up in the morning. First thing I do is I'll walk over there, sit down at my desk and just read for, yep. I, and sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it's 15. Sometimes it's just five. And you can't expect that there's going to be some, like the heavens are going to open right. and there's going to be some, you know, some days it's like that. Yep. Uh, yep. But other days, like you just you do the work and you trust that the spirit's working in your heart. Yep. And off you go. Then the other thing I do is when I get home, then, um, like I obviously don't have a family yet that I have to worry about or anything. So I get home and I'll just take twenty minutes or so and just sometimes have a cup of coffee, just sit down, relax. Yep. Get into the word a little bit and then head off to the gym and have the rest of the day. It's just like a reset. Like, all right, now yep. we're resetting and this is off we go for the rest of the yep. day. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Cool. Good talk. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can find more episodes like this on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, and Pippa. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Time to Gird Up. You can find us on Facebook at the Gird Up Podcast. Or if you want to email me, you can email me at coachungemach, that's U-N-G-E-M-A-C-H, at gmail.com. Please leave a five-star rating and review on this podcast on iTunes. The more four- and five-star ratings we receive, the more people we will reach on iTunes because iTunes will boost us more. Thank you to Seth Palmeyer for our podcast art. And thank you to you, the listener, because without you... This podcast would not be possible. So with that, I encourage you to go out, man up, gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. Have a good one.